part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. I told everybody last night that this was an hourglass, so I think it just would be appropriate, you know, that I'll finish before that's up tonight. <laughs> uh, I told Carly, I said, you know, this is such a good word. We want to bring a proper conclusion to the series that we've been in, Prophet, Priest, and King. These three Old Testament offices that God ordered, not because there was a need you know, for God just to have extra people on duty, but it, all of these were a promise. They were all looking forward to what Christ would fulfill in perfection. And so uh, we looked several weeks ago about how uh, they had prophets, and prophets, the main job of the prophet was to bring the truth of God to man. And we looked last week at uh, the role of the priest. And the priest was kind of, instead of going from God to man, was going from man back to God in that communication, a mediator of sorts. And today we come to the conclusion of the kings. Now, why do we need kings? Well, number one, we've all been fascinated by kings. Uh, how many of you are from Great Britain or from uh, England, that area, or anywhere around? Anybody have a heritage directly back to that? But how many of you have found yourselves a little bit fascinated by, you know, years ago it would have been Charles and Diana, now it's William and Kate. How many of you are just a little bit fascinated by that? You know, it comes on and you kind of watch that story. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, there's something in this that we go, man, it's a king. That's special. And you know that that actually, this whole desire, not so much for William and Kate and all that, but this desire for a king is really kind of very naturally put there by God in the very beginning. See, if we go all the way back to Genesis 3, 2 and 3, like we often do, because that's where the gospel really begins, is in that creation, when God took Adam and Eve and breathed life into them and created them, the very nature of God and his authority was breathed into them. They were not God, but a, but a nature, a, a likeness in some ways. And part of that image of God that they had was to recognize authority, but also to have some authority. I mean, when, when, they, when God created Adam and Eve, they knew that he was God. At the same time, what was one of the first things that God did with Adam? Hey, you name the animals. Hey, I've put you over this dominion. I give you dominion over this part of my creation. Now, did that mean that they were the king of the jungle? No. But God gave them a place of authority. All of that was tainted in Genesis chapter 3. All of that, that was natural and pure to, to recognize God is the ultimate authority and king of kings and lord of lords over all things was tainted. And in that moment of rebellion, man made himself king. I, I want this. Even though God said not to do this, I want this. And he tried to place himself in that place of authority, and that's when centered in the world. And from ever since that day, we still have this image of God that is still there in us. And we, we have the taint of sin. And a lot of those things that God put there in perfection now are not perfect at all. And yet we still have this longing for a king. Truth is, we can follow that all the way back to Genesis. And we can see that even this day, that there's still a desire for us to have a king. The only problem is the king that we want, the king that we really desire, is not the king that came. You might think, well, no, we would be wise enough, smart enough to know that Jesus, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, yes, that's the kind of king that we want. And yet, you know, we're really not all that different from the Old Testament folks. 
Do you remember in the Old Testament that they wanted a king, the Israelites? They didn't have a king. God was their king. He was the authority. God had placed prophets. We just talked about prophets a couple weeks ago. And prophets were kind of that place of authority among them. And yet, as they saw other kingdoms and other nations, the Israelites cried out, God, give us a king. Open your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. I'll take you through a very quick history, and we'll see this kind of come into a a, a mindset. They wanted somebody that... uh, had this kingly look. They had Samuel as a prophet, and yet the people came to him, and in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verse 5, it says, Behold, you are old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint for us a king to judge us like all the nations. So they come up to God's appointed leader, the spiritual leader, the prophet, Samuel, and they said, You know, we kind of reject your authority. What we want is a king. We want somebody like with a crown on their head. We want somebody to sit on the throne because that's what other nations have. And we kind of like that because this has, gives them kind of definition. Well, do you think Samuel took that a little bit personal? He really did. But look what God said to Samuel. Look at verse 7. And the Lord said to Samuel, Obey the voice of the people and all that they say to you. And I imagine that that surprised Samuel. You mean really give them a king? But look what he says. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. What was God saying? He said, I've put up a line of authority here. I've got prophets to bring truth, and they're really rejecting my ways. See, we really haven't strayed that far from Genesis chapter 3. And even this day, there's kind of a desire that we have in our hearts and our lives that we really want, you know, as Christians to have this place of authority that people would respect our beliefs and different things. It was no different in the time right before Christ came. They were waiting for a king. But the kind of king that they were waiting for is not the kind of king that God delivered. In many ways, the king that they wanted was one of heroics instead of holiness. One of, that was much more of a Rambo than a righteous king. They wanted a king that would come in and put the Romans back into their place and they would become the prominent people of the land like they were one time under David and Solomon. That's what the Israelites during the time of Christ wanted. And so when they heard of this expected king to come and he showed up as a little baby in a manger, they said, no, 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 no. That's not the king we wanted. But please hear this this morning. That's the king they needed. Folks, inside of us, every one of us, there's a part of us, very much in the image of God, that we want a king. The problem with that taint of sin is that we don't always want the king that he's provided and really the king that we needed. 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 2. Here's the kind of king that they were looking for. And he had a son whose name was Saul. A handsome young man. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. For his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any other people. So when they wanted a king, they said, okay, we have a couple specs that we want you to fulfill. We want somebody that really looks the part. And Saul did. And he was tall. It says that he was taller at the shoulders than anybody else. I interpret that to mean that everybody else was, he was at least a head taller than everybody else. Saul looked like the king. That's the king that they wanted. 
But folks, it really wasn't the king that they needed. In the heart of man, we have a desire for somebody of authority. We want somebody to take charge. We want it to have it kind of our way. In, in other words, kind of make it, we want a cool king. We want, we want a king that everybody wants to follow. And yet the scripture said that the king that God would give us is the king that we needed, but that he would be rejected of man. You go back and you begin to look through Isaiah and you look at the prophecy of Isaiah, and it's pretty stark, guys. It is not this handsome king. It is not this king that is taller than anybody else. Look at Isaiah chapter 53. And this is hundreds of years before the king would come. And look at the prophecy of Isaiah about the king that God would provide. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. This wasn't the Saul kind of king, head and shoulders above everybody else, handsome. No, the Bible says, not that Jesus was ugly, they just said this didn't look like a king. This isn't the marketable king that we can put his face on the product and say, okay, everybody's going to follow him. Even to this day, even as Christians, don't you want your God to be the God that everybody loves? And sometimes we want that for pure reasons because we want other people to know the joy and the comfort that we have. But would you be honest that there is a part of you that you want that God because then it would be acceptable, your beliefs, and you kind of fit in with the crowd? There's a part of us that we really want this popular king, this beautiful king, this wonderful king, not the king that was rejected and despised, the one that was promised. The king that we desire, as opposed to the king that we need. Isaiah goes on and he says this in verse 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of all. That's the king that we needed, guys. Not the marketable king. Not the one that was head and shoulders above everybody else. Not the one that looked the part. We needed the king because we had a severe problem. A problem that was impossible for us to solve on our own, our own sin. We read on and we see in verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. I mean, when we want a king, don't you again, kind of like Israel, don't you want that king that's going to come in there and take charge? That king that's going to come in there kind of like Rambo and set order back into place? And yet look what was going to happen to this king, verse 5. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes we are healed. That was not the king that Israel was looking for. They were looking for a king to restore order, prominence for themselves. But what they needed was a king that would bring them back into the right relationship with the holy God. Verse 6. In Isaiah verse nine, uh, chapter 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's the king that came. Folks, that's the king that we need. I mean, look at that description, Wonderful Counselor. As much as we want this majestic king, 
that kind of showed up and, and put everything back into order as the Israelites would have it or the people of Israel would have this great nation. What did they really need? It? They need salvation and they needed something within their spirit and their souls. And that's what God provided. Wonderful counselor. And yet he was a mighty God. And in that manger, a little baby, and yet he was a mighty God. Everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace. Today, folks, we find ourselves pretty much in the same place that Israel was 2,000 years ago, waiting for a king. We know that a king has come, that he gave his life, that he died, was buried, and rose again. He's brought salvation to all that would turn and look upon that and trust in that for their righteousness and their redemption with the Holy God. And yet we have this promise in the New Testament that this king is going to come back. But when he comes back, we see a different picture. We see a king that is not going to come back as a baby, will not be in the, laid in the manger. Let me give you a picture of the king that is to come. That's a little bit different from the prophecy of the, when he came the first time. See, in the Old Testament, in Zechariah, chapter 9, verse 9, here's what was said of this king that was coming the first time. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humbly. And, and how? Mounted on a donkey, on a colt, on the foal of a donkey. He came in not in this, on this stallion. He didn't come with this, you know, sword. He comes on a donkey. But the Bible says that he's coming back. And listen to what Revelation 19.11 says. John the Revelator wrote this. He said, Then I saw heaven open up, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it called Faithful and True, and in, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Folks, there's a day he's coming back. And it's not on a donkey this time. It is on a mighty white horse. He's coming in all the glory and all the power of that king that we thought was going to come the first time. Luke verse two, uh, chapter 2, verse 7 since the first coming of the king, he, she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. Look who the, what it says about the king who's coming. Revelation 19, verse 12. His eyes are like a flame of fire and on his head are, are many diadems. And he has a name written that no one knows but himself. We skip down to verse 16. It says, And on his robe and on his thigh he has, written, uh, has a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. Folks, you and I have this desire for a king, a king of prominence, maybe of popularity, and that's not what Christ came. That wasn't our need. Maybe what we desired, but it wasn't our need. Our need was salvation. We needed one that would remedy our sin and our rebellion against a holy God. And Christ came despised, rejected of man, didn't look like a king. And he made peace with all those that would trust in him. But there is a day coming. And I pray that it's coming soon. When this king that came in humility in a manger the first time will be coming back on a white horse. <laughs> and all the glory of God will be on display. And we will be able to continue in our worship and adoration of him. And we will see all the full might and power. Until that day comes, by faith we believe 
that God has not given us, maybe the king that we desired, because we're pretty much like those people of Israel. But he has provided the God that we needed. That's what Christmas is all about. That God would provide for you out of his love, out of the amazing grace that he has, not something of our own making, of our own desires, but something that we needed. And he brings us Christ this day. And that's why we celebrate. That's why we have hope today and the hope of that returning king. So I pray that this Christmas day that you will be able to rejoice in the fact that that little baby, that maybe even Mary didn't know. Mary, do you know that when you kiss this little baby that you're kissing the face of God? Do you, do you know that? That maybe she did not even know in the fullness of what that was really like. But that one day, folks, God is going to take that veil off the eyes and we will see him in all this fullness and all this glory. I love the passage in Philippians, and we end on this. When the Apostle Paul was writing, and he describes at length the humility that Christ comes, that Christ empties himself for us to buy our redemption. And yet I love at the end, he said, but one day, one day, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord. Until that day, may that be our testimony. May that be the, the, the beat of our heart that we know that we serve a God who's provided a king that we needed and that one day that king returns in all his glory. That until that day that we would live in great faith and tell everybody that we know about the hope that is in this king. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you. And Father, if we're really honest, as spiritual as we want to be, Sometimes we want you to be this God. Who, who has it in their minds? Well, the God that I want to serve is the God that would do this or that. And Father, we make a God of our own making. And yet, Father, you are holy God. How incredibly patient you are with us, Father. As we would try to remold you and reshape you and, and make you more like the mind of man. But Father, you still give us grace and you still reach out. And Father, you still... Make yourself known to us. Father, thank you that one day, Father, we will see in the fullness of the glory of Christ. That one day, Father, every person will say the truth that he is King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, until that day, will you help us to have the same faith that Mary had to have? That those people in the nation of Israel, when they didn't have the, the king that they wanted, but the king that they needed, Father, will you, you had to build faith in them, Father. And Christ, even to his disciples, had to show that he was the king that they needed, not so much that they desired. Father, thank you for your patience. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. And as we celebrate this Christmas, thank you for giving us a king, not of our own making, but the king that we needed. For we pray in the power of his name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.